The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. And sitting in this morning for the voice of the Wildcats, yours truly, Dick Gabriel Tom. If you follow him on social media, you know that he is off with his family celebrating the graduation of daughter Caroline, which is just so hard for me to wrap my mind around because my daughter, who celebrates a birthday tomorrow, by the way, used to babysit for Caroline and Connor. They, they were virtually neighbors and now Caroline graduating from college. Where does the time go? Well, I'll tell you, it flies by, especially when you're waiting on college football. And we are one week closer, of course, to kick off. We'll talk a little bit of college football this morning with our guest John Lewis from WDRB.com over in Louisville. Uh, John has covered the U.K. program for many years for three or four different media outlets. And Van Hiles, the former Kentucky defensive back, who uh, makes his opinions known on social media. And has been a guest on my show here in Lexington many times, so we'll talk uh, with Van a little bit later on. But uh, first, we need to get you caught up on the front. By the way, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, going to get you caught up on the uh, UK news of the day. Stories will appear on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Uh, speaking of football. UK's football program is teaming up with the UK Gill Heart and Vascular Institute along with the UK Athletics Department in general, and they are going to pitch in together to teach hands-only CPR. And the front man for this movement is, uh, in terms of UK football, Kenneth Horsey, UK football offensive guard, and a likely starter. He likely will be a part, a big part of the big blue line, the big blue wall, I should say, uh, coming up this year. He played last year, but he may be a starter this year. i got to think he will be. Kenneth is uh, a survivor of open-heart surgery, and uh, his story has been known, uh, has been told nationwide. Uh, he suffered a setback, a health setback in high school and needed the surgery then, but UK stuck with him. Uh, he remained uh, a, a prospect. And he was told, uh, you will have a scholarship, and indeed he did. And now he's healthy, and he's playing football. So it's a heck of a story, and a bunch of us media types will be over there uh, later this morning to talk to Kenneth and to hear about what's going on. 247 Sports uh, having some fun here in the uh, preseason, as media outlets do, as blogs do. I always talk about the fact that the Internet is a bottomless pit, and we have to fill it, those of us who write and produce things for the web. And 247 Sports, of course, is uh, one of the best. Uh, they are affiliated now with the Cats Boss. They have come up with, they have ranked the SEC schedules toughest to easiest. Now, do you want to be at the top of this and be proud? Or do you want to be toward the bottom of it and say, we got a real good shot? Well, I can tell you this. Arkansas is at the top. And Arkansas had a rough time last year, but they have got five guaranteed matchups versus ranked teams, possibly three more. They go on the road. Of course, they're in the West, so they get Alabama. But they get Alabama on the road. They also get Georgia 
on the road. The likely favorite for the SEC East. They also go to Ole Miss and LSU, which haven't been as difficult uh, in the past. But still, you're on the road uh, in the West. And they also play Texas on their non-conference slate. Man, 2021 is going to be tough for the Razorbacks. Really, the top half of the survey, for the most part, is from the West. Auburn is second. Ole Miss is third. Finally, South Carolina is fourth on the list. And keep in mind that the Gamecocks always play Clemson. And this year, they go on the road to Georgia and Texas A&M. So it's going to be a rough one. Mississippi State, Vandy. I will skip to the bottom. Kentucky's not at the bottom, but it's close. They've got Kentucky's schedule ranked 13th out of 14. Missouri is 14th. It's hard to argue with that because when you talk to Kentucky fans, what they'd like to tell you, at least a lot of them, is, hey, the schedule sets up. So, like I said, do you want to be at the top and thump your chest? No. <laughs> you know, at least if you're Kentucky, you know, you want to, you still got tough games in the Southeastern Conference, but people like to call them winnable. I I like to call them manageable, but the bottom line, no matter what you call it, they're still going to be tough. you got to win the games you're supposed to win, and if you can, pull off a win somewhere that you're not supposed to get. Stoops has done that with his team, although once in a while they drop one they shouldn't have dropped, and I'm thinking of Missouri last year. So... Check it out, 247 Sports. If you're not a subscriber, uh, get on there. And it's, it's a fun read. But uh, it's the time of year where everybody ranks everything. You know, Mark Stoops has been ranked in two different surveys as the 22nd best coach in America. So that's fun. Why not? All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with John Lewis of WDRB. You're listening to The Leash Report. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. And we welcome now Mr. John Lewis, WDRB and WDRB.com. And as I mentioned, John has been around the U.K. beat for many years. He worked over here in Lexington, worked in Hazard. And now works in Louisville, kind of burns up the interstate, covering both the UK, UofL, a lot of other stuff. Good morning, Mr. Lewis. Well, good morning, Mr. Gabriel. Yeah, I've uh, I've joked that I could uh, get in the car, get in the car in uh, Louisville, and uh, take a quick nap and wake up in uh, either Rupp Arena or Commonwealth or Kroger Field <laughs> because uh, I'm just so so used to that trip back and forth. Isn't that amazing that that every inch of that interstate becomes known to you? But there's something comforting about it because when you see something, you go like, "I'm almost there." So, oh, um, we get the landmarks down already. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and you're glad to see Waddy in one way or the other. Uh, we mentioned <laughs> earlier on the, uh, on the Wildcat News of the Day, brought to you by Kentucky Beer Cheese, that Kentucky's schedule, John, is ranked by 247 Sports as 13th out of 14th in the SEC in terms of toughness. And as I mentioned, uh, I don't know that you want to be at the top of, of that survey, but I think people, when they say the schedule sets up a little bit, that's hard to argue. 
Oh, I, no question. And I think no, I think you're right. You never want to be at the top. I, I mean, unless you're, you know, you could be Alabama. That's fine if you want to be at the top right. of the of the toughness schedule. But you know, with UK, when you're coming in with, you know, you're not really sure who your starting quarterback is going to be, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so many so many X factors. If I'm a UK fan, absolutely, I'm happy. I'd like to be 14th. You know, this is this is a time to get back on track. And I know it wasn't what they expected last year. To me, everybody gets a little bit of a pass in the COVID year, but I know it's still not what they well, yeah. everything they expected. And then you're you know you're talking about there's a quarterback battle. Sure, I'll take I'll take 13th if I'm a UK fan, no question. Yeah, I expected six wins last year, maybe more, but as you said, it wasn't exactly what everybody expected. But a bowl victory. And I know there were seniors on that team and guys who moved on. But not only was it a bull win, John, I thought it was an impressive win against a decent opponent. In your experience, have you seen teams that take advantage of that? In other words, can there be much carryover from a victory in December when you're starting, you know, eight or nine months later? I feel like there can because if you've got, especially when you have returning players, you can build on that momentum. They got a little taste of it. They got a taste of, you know, again, this was a very different season, but when you do get an opportunity to go to the postseason and you get a win, I can't imagine that in that locker room, you know, in camp, they're saying, hey, listen, look what we did last year, and now let's build on that. And let's, you know, uh, I, I think the, the, the mantra has always been around, especially since Mark Stoops took over, you know, why not us? And I think you yeah. can build on that. Again, when you've got returning players who got a little taste of it, they want to go back. They can instill that into some of the younger players. I, I know. I mean, I don't think there's anything negative about uh, getting a bowl win, no matter how it happened. And I think there is carry over there, no question. They open up with uh, Louisiana Monroe on September the 4th. Then they jump right into conference play, although it is an opportunity for a little payback. They get Missouri. Then after <laughs> right. Chattanooga, they get South Carolina and Florida. I mean, they dive almost right into conference play. That's That's been a real change from the from the years, really, when, when you and I started. Well, I started a long time before you did. But, but even when you got started covering college football, it seemed like it took – uh, a few more weeks to, I don't want to use the word ease, but to begin uh-huh. their, their SEC schedule. Uh, to get acclimated to the, uh, to the new season. Yeah. Hey, that's yeah. a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not that much longer than I have. But yeah, I mean, that used to be, that was, that was the way you had a lot of, um, noon kickoffs against, you know, teams that were sometimes one double A or whatever <laughs> they call it at the time. And, uh, right. you know, then, uh, then you have your, your three, Easing into the SEC schedule kind of games, and a lot of times it was a. It felt like it was a um, usually a tough SEC opponent. I mean that that does happen quite a bit. But yeah, I, actually, I kind of like this because um, you can kind of get away from that formula. And sure, yeah, you you have a uh, your first game um, could be easing into it, and then immediately a conference game next week. I mean, yeah. I think that probably builds a little bit more excitement than. If you're a UK fan and you got to wait three plus weeks uh, before you can play an SEC game, no, I like it. I think I think it creates buzz and uh, college football. That never hurts. Louisville back on the schedule, of course, after being uh, gone last year. Everything was conference games, and at least one uh, blog or whatever had the over and under. I one of the Vegas blogs had over and under for wins for Kentucky and Louisville identical. Six and a half. I don't know if you saw that, and if so, yeah. uh, what's your reaction? Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think I would probably 
I want to say I'm going to take the over on both of them. It's just, it's so hard to judge what the 2021 version of these teams are going to be because of what 2020 was. And if you look at UofL, that 2019 team that went to the Music City Bowl, I mean, that was... That that was a team that overachieved. I won't say overachieved. They had talent. Um, that was the first year under Scott Satterfield, coming off a disastrous final <laughs> season under yeah. Bobby Petrino. Really turned it around. Then really struggled last year, and everybody was. And, and there were a lot of U of L fans that were ready to you know put Satterfield yeah. on the next bus out. And then yeah. of course when the when all the talk came up of uh, him maybe uh, looking at some other jobs, then they really wanted him out. I think, you know, he wins a few games and they'll forget all about that. Winning seems to cure everything. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to judge. But seems when you look at these schedules especially and you think that it's going to be a much more normal year uh, for UofL especially, they've got their, you know, starting quarterback and Malik Cunningham coming back um, and they've got a good backup uh, in Evan Conley. I just I feel like that team can win seven games. And as we just talked about with UK, that seems like a team that is just poised to win at least seven. Yeah, and again, it it all has to do with scheduling, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know people who grumble. Well, you can schedule your way to seven or eight wins. Well, conceivably, yeah, you still got to win those games, though, right? Well, you have to get out there and play. And yeah. you know, how many coaches have you heard over the years say it's not? It's they lose they lose sleep the night before games they're supposed to win. That's right. It's like that. that I've heard so many coaches in in basketball and football say that it's like they lose sleep. Bef- not the night before games are supposed to win because there are too many times when players can say, well, I can just get out there and we can beat this team. But they get, you know, super focused on teams that, that they want to beat that are, you know, much tougher competition. So yeah, I mean, you've got to go out there and play and win. I, I schedule whatever you want to schedule, but, uh, you have to go out there and win those games every Saturday. Yeah. Or Monday know, or Tuesday or Wednesday, however it is. That's right. It's going to be. Especially with U of L. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know as well as I do, coaches are nuts when it comes to uh, thinking about it. Every coach in America can tell you about every loss they've ever had. Try to get them to talk about the wins, and they shrug it off. But, uh, you know, they'll tell you about a pass somebody dropped or something like that 18 years ago. You want to shake them. You want to shake them and say, just enjoy the wins. We'll take these a break, come back. And, will tell, they will tell the players that. You've got to enjoy these wins and embrace it. But, of course, you forget yeah. about it 24 hours later. That's fine. But, yeah, you also, eight, like you said, 18 years later, they can tell you about, well, that drop pass on the yeah. yard line really would have set us up for a possible touchdown. Yeah, you get 24 hours. Well, heal thyself is what I say. Uh, we'll come back right. and talk more with John Lewis at WDRB in just a few here on the Leach Report. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Abraham for Tom Leach from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. We're chatting with John Lewis at WDRB-TV and WDRB.com. John, I don't know if you've had a chance to get out. I was on vacation the last week when the, uh, or I guess week before last, when the U.K. players were making the rounds. Uh, at some of the local schools and uh, meeting with campers, with kids. But I know it's always a thrill for the fans, but how valuable, in your opinion, for this Kentucky team that's almost entirely a new roster? Yeah, I think it's really valuable. I was at the E-Town stop, I guess, a week before last, um, and uh, Keon Brooks was down there. And, you know, and he he said this was – it was important – 
because, you know, they're all on campus now or, you know, and finally getting together. And he mentioned that as well. They, there was not, um, I don't, I, I think there was camaraderie, but you build chemistry, uh, in the off season and last off season, like, you know, last spring and summer was just so different. Yeah. Um, that they just couldn't be together a lot, um, or if they were, you know, it's just right there on campus, and now they're out traveling, you know, with all these road trips, and I think that brings the team together. And Keon Brooks, said, you know, said as much, and I think that is extremely important, and it was a thrill for the fans. Uh, E-Town is very much big blue country, and there were adults and kids alike who were taking pictures uh, with uh, Coach Cal down there, and they had a they had a full gym. It was, uh, but I think I think it is. Uh, I think that can build some chemistry, and that is a team that needs to build chemistry because, as you said, there are a lot of you know new players on the roster, and that happens a lot. But I think last year what we saw was you had a lot of new players on the roster in a very different kind of ways that you know John Calipari and his staff were able to coach which was very limited because of COVID. Um, I, I just think this is just another element that's going to help bring that team together. And now with as it feels like things are more normal and starting to normalize, um, that it's, you know, those kinds of trips, being able to practice again, um, they can live up to the talent they have on that roster. John, i got about a minute left, but I, I thought it was so great when Keon Brooks kind of shrugged off the notion that he had to make this big announcement that he was coming back. He was like, why, why is that? What was your reaction when he said that? Well, we all we all laughed. We're all standing around him, and he said that we laughed. It's like my reaction was, "You should know by now, this is UK. This is not any other place. It is, uh, <laughs> no news is big news sometimes in big blue country." Yeah, and he's so vital to this team, in my opinion, yeah. in so many ways, isn't he? Well, didn't you? I mean, we saw like when he, you know, he had to sit out, you know, the first couple of months there of the season, and we saw that when he was able to come back and. You know, it was hard for him to be consistent, I think, because of the injury and trying to get reacclimated to everything. But, I mean, it was obvious what a huge factor he was when he was able to finally get back and get healthy. And I think he is going to be a major, major uh, piece of the puzzle this year for U.K., no question about On it. On and off the floor, I fully agree. And I will always yes, remember this This is such a bizarre season, uh, so tragic with the death of Terrence Clark, and, and a reminder that he and, and, and Keon Brooks played in exactly one game together. When you look back on that season, so that was that was just another bizarre chapter in a in a in a bad year. John Lewis, WDRB, thank you, buddy. Good talking to you. Hey, good talking to you, and I hope to see you in person on the sideline here in September. I hope the same, and if so, uh, we will uh, shake hands for about five minutes. See you, man. Okay, appreciate it. I'm gonna give you a big hug. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there, but yeah, why not? <laughs> we we know each other. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more Kentucky football with a guy who knows the game inside out because he played for the Wildcats. Van Hiles next on the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back to Gabriel sitting in for Tom Leach in the Clark Pump and Shop studio. And uh, one of the favorite guests on my show on uh, WLAP here in Lexington each night, 6 to 8, shameless plug. Uh, the Big Blue Insider is a young man who played for the Wildcats, is still a Wildcat. Uh, he's back in his home state of Louisiana, but keeps an eye on Kentucky football, Mr. Van Hiles. Good morning, sir. Good morning. A little surprise you, you, you're, talking, you're talking to me and not the voice of the Wildcats, but at least we know each other, right? Exactly. There you go. Um, what's it like for you to try to follow Kentucky football in the land 
of of the purple and gold and the land of the tigers down there. Can you get? I guess the internet's your savior, isn't it? Yes, um, I love it. Uh, if you don't know me, I am uh, a guy who likes to stoke the flame. So I I wear my Kentucky gear every day. I make some people upset. My kids, <laughs> classmates, like why do your kids? Why does your dad always wear that Kentucky stuff? And and that just makes me want to do it even more. So I actually love it. <laughs> and LSU uh, wins a national championship and then begins to struggle, which which sometimes happens unless your name is Alabama. Um, and so it's it's kind of tough for them to get a bead on their favorite team, isn't it? When uh, when you're thumping your chest one year and you're getting your your clock clean the next. The the good thing about fans here is they really understand more than just football. They understand everything else that goes around it. I don't think a lot of the majority of fans were sold on Coach O. And they were sold on Joe Burrow and they were sold on I guess the they were sold on the Joe twins, Joe Brady yeah. and Joe Burrow. Yeah. And they and they understood that it might be uh some troubles if Joe Brady leaves. And once he went to the NFL, they understood it. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they're happy. Uh, Coach O is on a short leash. I'm just going to say that. Mm. Wow. Guy wins a title and he's on. Well, that's that's hey, that's what happens in football country, right? And, uh, and, and you've got LSU on the Kentucky schedule. We were talking earlier about the fact that uh, 247 has rated Kentucky schedule 13th out of 14th in toughness in the SEC, which is fine. Uh, and people look at the LSU game and then they think, well, uh, yeah, Kentucky could, could be. But, well, you talk about a dangerous spot, Van, in between Florida and Georgia. I mean, and I know we're looking ahead, but we get to do that. But still, uh, <laughs> gosh, that's that, that's going to be a steep hill. I, that's a good question. I'd like to know what L, who LSU plays before and after. I Here's the thing: when you play in the SEC, you're always playing a tough team before, and you're always playing a tough team after. It's, yeah. it's hard to, to 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 get those easy games uh, every year. Even Bandy is a bruising game because their defense has always been very good. I would say this: is I think we're at a level now where in the SEC, when I was playing, it was more. A lot of people would say it's physical, and it is. But every football game is physical. I think for us, when I was playing, it was a mental drain. Because yeah. we didn't, we, we were not comfortable <laughs> per se going to Florida, playing Florida. We were not comfortable playing Georgia. I think these kids now are comfortable. I don't think that mental drain is going to get them down like it had, like it got them down in 2018. You know, I just looked it up. To your point, I'm glad you mentioned this. This is this is you being a football guy, thinking ahead. They play Auburn. LSU plays Auburn at home. Then Kentucky on the road. Then they get home with Florida. So where is their mind going to be, right? Yeah, and that's and that's the tough thing about our conference. That like when you go to ACC, it's not as mentally draining, right? I'm just when you go to Pac-12, it's not as mentally draining. But in the SEC, it is a mental drain. It is very tough to. I don't want to say get up because that's not the right word, but to prepare your mind every week for another tough opponent. And that's why the SEC is so tough. 
Yeah, and it's it's you know the same routine week after week. It has to be for college football players. You do the same sorts of things, assuming you play Saturday on Monday and Tuesday in terms of game prep and your schedule and class. And that gets to be a bit of a grind mentally, doesn't it? Exactly. And, and can you imagine, and now I'm going to step to another level, can you imagine being Vandy where you got fans that don't come to games? Yeah. You already know I am. We're swimming upstream against a very tough schedule. And now you have some great athletes, but mentally you're like, dude, can we really win this game? Just think about, like, if you go to work and, like, can I can I really do this project? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it becomes tough, and that's how. That's why I think we are a much better team now. Oh yeah. Back then, on top of being better athletes, but I think we have figured out that we can really play with everybody in this conference. You know, you mentioned Vandy, and I remember Rich Brooks when he was really fighting for his program. And he made a, a sort of an aside at one of his Monday, you know, news luncheon sort of events when he said, you know, I guess he did a little research. He was fairly new to the program still. He said, everybody expects Vandy to be an automatic win. And at that point, Van, Kentucky and Vandy had beaten each other almost exactly the same number of times. It was like 50-50. Yep. Who's going to win this game statistically at Every fan in Kentucky knows you're going to beat Vandy, and every Vandy fan circles Kentucky. And oftentimes the game's like that, isn't it? Yes. I was 1-3 against Vandy. Oh, so, wow. Uh, <laughs> and I was 0-3 until my senior year. Yeah, I so remember that. So that, that, that tells you how bad that is. It's, and you, like you said, you get Vandy on the bad end of the schedule. My freshman year, we had a really good football team. There's no way we should have lost to Vandy. But we had that Vandy game, I think, after a tough – I can't remember who we played, but we played a tough State. game. Mississippi State. That's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And that mentally had us – it was hard for us to mentally recheck in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because we, we had that tough game, and if you remember, we were one game away from being bowl eligible yep. for the first time That's since right. 80-something. That's right. And that mental drain come up to the week, and everybody's like, oh, well, y'all definitely going to get bowl eligible this week. <laughs> doesn't always work that way, does it? It doesn't always with, work that way. We're talking with Van Hiles. We'll take a break, come back, and talk more with a former Kentucky defensive back in just a minute on the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Dick Averlin for the voice of the Wildcats here in the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We're talking with Van Hiles, former Kentucky defensive back and uh, very active on social media when it comes to following the Wildcats. And just before the break, Van, we talked about how uh, bowl eligibility slipped away from you guys. I think it was 91 when uh, you lost. It was a, It was a heck of a game to Mississippi State. And, in fact, prior to Tim Couch's arrival, that – night was the, the the greatest performance with all due respect to my good friend Derek Ramsey uh, outstanding quarterback played by Pookie Jones just phenomenal and a memory serves you guys had a field goal try blocked uh, Doug Pelfrey who as you know was automatic had a field goal try blocked and otherwise you guys win that game and uh, it, it was just 
uh, and, and I, it, I believe it cost you guys a shot at the Liberty Bowl. You know, that's how close you were. But um, like you said, every night you got to bring it in the SEC. Every night you have to bring it. Um, that 91 team, I wasn't on, uh, just FY. Uh, that was, there yet? but I heard about it. Okay. I heard about it. Yeah. And, and I heard about, and my, uh, might have been 92. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm in 93. 93, so, okay. My, my issue is, man, we are going back in the Wayback Machine. That <laughs> 94 team, after 93 team, which should be scratched off the record books of UK history, if you remember correctly, that would have been Pookie Jones' senior year. Yep. And I guarantee you, if Pookie Jones played that senior year, we would have won more than one game. Mm. Yeah. That was also the game where one of your teammates was tragically uh, murdered, yes. and I know that that had a, a pronounced effect on on the entire team. And uh, yeah, that was kind of a lost season, wasn't it? That was a lost season. That and that gets back to the whole mental aspect yeah. because I don't know if fans remember, but that '94 season was supposed to be our season. Yeah, because we had senior quarterback that would have been Mo's second year. After having a really good freshman year, we had a really good offensive line, although we graduated a great senior class, but we had a lot of backups with a lot of experience, and we had yeah. a lot of people coming back on defense. Yeah. That was supposed to be the year, and we had that tragic incident and Pookie not being the quarterback, and we had to scramble. By the way, that Mississippi State game was actually, uh, you're right, it wasn't 91, it was 92. But, you know, and it's funny, Van, and this is just how weird things happen. You all changed your offense going into the bowl game, and you went more to that that eye bone kind of thing. And it was even back then; it was sort of a run pass option. And Pookie had a nice game against Clemson. And I remember he was the last guy out of the locker room, and I was in there breaking down radio gear. And I I asked him. I said, "You know, you you're going to go play baseball." I said, "But." You know, what about now with this new offense? And he, he kind of got this look in his eye. I thought he said, you know, this would be a lot of fun, but just kind of left it at that and went on to play baseball. You know, so it's just it's just weird how things like that unfold. But uh, but as you mentioned earlier, to bring it back to, to today, um, this Kentucky football program is so much better equipped at playing in the SEC in so many ways, coaching, facilities, but especially players. You're a Louisiana guy, and back in the early 90s, I was in Louisiana to cover UK LSU. I went down a day early to work on a TV story, and a photographer and I, we went to a Louisiana high school football game just out of curiosity, Van, and we were shocked at how much faster the game was back then. It probably still is. I mean, kids, athletes in some areas, they're just better. And they were just better down there. They probably still are. But I, I know Kentucky high school football has improved. But it all comes back to players. And they got you out of Louisiana. They've gotten kids uh, out of Ohio. They've gotten the best kids in Kentucky. And how would you rate the level of athleticism in U.K. football now compared to back in the day? Oh, it's, it's, You know what? That is... I was going to say something, but I thought about it. It's not – we had great athletes back then. Just remember Keel Sanford and oh, yeah. and, uh, and Craig Yeast. And Stephen Hall was a defensive back who had yes. over four-inch vertical, and he was 6'2", and could run. The 
in my days, we didn't have the depth that they have now. Yep. And what I love about football now in the state of Kentucky in high school is they are playing more now and not just going through the fall and then just letting it sit down. Yeah. Like, I don't remember Kentucky high school football really having a spring season. And yeah. I know it's only two weeks, but that's hours more of practice that we got down south than guys in Kentucky got and, and do that for four years. That adds up. And I think now with the summer and the 707 and especially training, which I really don't like, but it still helps a little bit. I, I think the kids now Kentucky are getting those extra minutes, those extra seconds, those extra hours that are making them better athletes than they were when I was playing. I got another theory as well. Everything you say, I couldn't agree more. And Jerry Claiborne what was talking about spring football back in the day. He kept saying, we're never going to catch up until we have some sort of spring football represented in the state of Kentucky. And, of course, he was right. I think the other thing, too, Van, and I know you don't really think about this much because you live back in your home state of Louisiana, but it may be happening there. Schools have consolidated here. And so back in the day, you might have four schools in one area, and you'd have four different football programs that were kind of small but four basketball programs. Then you put them all together. Now you've, only, you've still only got 15 roster spots. So kids may say, well, heck with it then. I'm going to play football. You know, and everybody plays. So I think right. you've got that. That's why football is growing. One of the big reasons in the state of Kentucky. Plus, there's been success, and now it's a cool thing to do. Right. Well, if they're consolidating, it even makes it better for the kids. For multiple reasons, because now if you consolidate, if you get four schools, one of those schools at minimum is not going to have a great coach, right? Because there's not that many great coaches in in high school sports. Period. So now if you consolidate, that means you're going to get the best coaches who's yeah. going to coach the best kids, and therefore you're going to get better results. So that's that's nice to hear because now you don't have to try to find twenty five coaches. All you got to do is find seven. Mm-hmm. Great point. I didn't even thought about that. That's a great point. Uh, yeah, you consolidate the brain trust, if you will. Um, right. We talked earlier uh, about the scheduling and, and, you know, some of the unknowns of college football. How concerned are you going into this season that we still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be? Not at all. I I, I wholeheartedly think – no, no, I'm going to say this. I wholeheartedly know that the coaches have the starting quarterback they have in mind. Wow. Now, can a guy come in and change their mind? Sure. But in their heads as a coach, they know that person A is going to be our starter. As long as he doesn't, I don't want to say this on radio, but as long as he doesn't down his leg, he's going to (laughs) be our starting quarterback, right? Yeah. Now, person B can do something extraordinary, and they'll say, okay, well, person B is doing great things in practice. He did great in some of these scrimmages against the, the, the ones. Okay, he he's going to be our starter. So I don't think there's a concern for us fans. I think it's great because now it gets us things to talk about. But for the coaches, I don't think they're in the lock in their offices. Like, oh, who's going to be our starter? Uh, is it going to be A or B? No, A is going to be our starter. He's going to be get the lion's share of reps. Person B is going to get some of those reps. Person B is going to have to really dedicate himself and do enough to get in front of A. I think it's really that simple. It almost has to be that way, does it not? At least for the coaches, so they can uh, move forward. Yeah, how how are you going to be able to 
to game plan a practice thinking that you got three guys and they're going to get 33% of reps. There's no continuity. There's no uh, confidence grown between the receivers, the linemen, the running backs, and the starter. Now, the thing about it, and it's hard, some of the players might not agree with the coaches. That that happens a lot. Yeah. But the coaches know what they're going to they, – they know. They know they're just not going to say anything because they want to. They want the second guy and the third guy to try their best and give oh, yeah. their best effort. And that creates the best competition, which produces the best players, and and uh, and so and like any position, but it's not like any position, and uh, uh, it, and it, it it never will be, quite frankly. And I know fans always worry about the backup guy, but truly. It's rare that you see a team rotate QBs or use a two-quarterback situation. I, I've seen it work once or twice in a million years. So they got to pick one, and I think whoever they pick, Van, it's going to be fine. But there's a lot of time between now and then, and you and I will talk, I'm sure, many times between now and then. Thank you so much for your time. Great to talk to you in the morning. No problem. Happy Father's Day to all you guys next week. Sounds good to me. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Thanks again to our guest today, John Lewis and Van Hiles. We'll be in again for Tom tomorrow. Our guest will be Larry Watt and Ben Roberts. And one of the things that I'm sure we'll talk about is the fact that Sky Clark, the five-star point guard, who was the last recruit to visit UK, remember, prior to the start of the dead period last spring. He was in Rupp Arena when Kentucky beat Auburn for the SEC regular season title back in happier times. Well, over the weekend, he became the first recruit to visit since the dead period ended on June the 1st. Joel Justice was his guy, quote-unquote, his recruiter, but now he's at Arizona, but still he said... Uh, all is good, and he's really looking forward to come up. So we'll talk with Ben and Larry about that and many other things. Thanks to you for joining us. Thanks to Shannon, the dude. Have a great day, everybody. That's it from the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the 